Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Revelation, chapter 5. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Mom, Dad... God hears your prayers for your unsaved child. Husbands, wife, God hears the prayers for your unsaved spouse. Don't be discouraged. And he keeps those prayers in these golden bowls. It just speaks of, it's so precious to God. It's like you take something that's precious and put it in gold. It speaks of the fact that it's precious. Your prayers are precious to the Father. Now, when we get to chapter 6 and chapter 8, We'll talk more about the incense prayers of the saints. Well, not only does worship involve prayer, but secondly, worship involves instruments. Again, in verse 8, did you notice the four living creatures, the 24 elders, what did they have in their hands? Harps. Harps in their hands. Now, this must be where Hollywood gets the cute little naked babies with harps in their hands floating around in heaven. This must be where they get it from. Worship involves instruments, and it always has. Even in the Old Testament, we find that as the children of Israel went to worship or they went into battle, they went into worship and battle carrying instruments and singing unto the Lord. Interesting. Many times. The worship team would lead the children of Israel into battle with instruments and worship music. First Chronicles 25 tells us that David assembled 288 singers and musicians on the worship team to lead Israel's worship. Can you imagine 288 singers and musicians? It's huge as they worshiped the Father. Now, there are some denominations that believe there shouldn't be any music or instruments during a worship service. They believe that it should just be singing. Well, we find in the Bible, when God's people went into worship and God's people went into battle, they went in with instruments and music and singing. And then David said it like this in Psalm 150, verses 1 through 6. Let me ask you to read these words with me. And you got to read them with passion, with feeling. Okay, this is one of those verses you got to read like you really mean it. Okay, you got to read it with passion. You got to read it with with feeling. All right, so so join with me in Psalm 150, verses 1 through 6. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. 
Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Isn't that awesome? I love to hear it when we read things like that together. You know why? Because in heaven, that's what it's going to sound like. This is like a little schmidgen. Haven't heard that word in a while, huh? A little schmidgen of heaven. Because in heaven, there will be millions upon millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of living creatures and millions upon millions upon millions of elders and the people of God from every nation, tribe, tongue, and people gathered around the throne sounding just like that. Can you, this is like this super huge amphitheater. This is like heaven worship in stereo. It's unbelievable. That's what it's going to sound like in heaven. Just praise and worship to God. Well, praise, worship not only involves prayer and worship not only involves instruments, but worship also involves a new song. Notice in verse 9, they sang a new song. Now, there are two words in the Greek language for new. There is new as opposed to old, like you can get a new car and it's new to you but it's an old car. And then there's the word new, like in brand spanking new, fresh, never driven. That's the word here. They sang a brand new song, a song that has never been sung. Now again, there are some people who would have a problem and have a problem with the new songs, the new contemporary songs today. And I gotta admit to you, some of the new contemporary songs of today, I have a problem with, gotta be honest. You know, because some of the new contemporary songs are I-centered versus Christ-centered. And so I have a problem with some of the songs, but in reality, every generation needs to have a fresh expression of worship. I mean, I love the hymns. You guys know I love the hymns. I said to uh, a couple of our worship leaders uh, sometime back, I said, I'd like to have a hymn per week. So if you notice, we started doing some hymns. I don't know if you noticed the shift, but we started doing some hymns here at Calvary. At least once, I said per week, I meant per month. One, one hymn per month, just because I love the hymns. I think they're just rich and deep in theology, and I just love them. But in fact, the hymns were an expression of worship of what God was doing two, three, four, as long as 800 years ago. And even in that day, get this, the hymns were the contemporary worship of that day. Interesting. Martin Luther, the leader of the Protestant Reformation, a great hymn writer, he asked this question in 1524. How has it happened that in the secular field there are so many fine poems and so many beautiful songs, while in the religious field we have such rotten, lifeless stuff? <laughs> he said that in 1500. Luther went on to say we must read, preach, write, compose, and when it is helpful and beneficial, 
I will let all the bells peal and the organs thunder and let everything sound that could sound. You go, boy. Go, Luther. And then Martin Luther, get this, he took popular drinking songs of that day and the melodies that were played in the bars and he turned them into worship songs by changing the words. And so we have songs like Away in the Manger, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And when people first heard these songs and recognized the melodies, they gasped. And they said, how could he do that? And today, those songs are classics. Interesting. 1690, the teenage son of a preacher came to his dad and he said, Dad, I really love the Lord and I like hearing you preach, but the music at church stinks. Well, his dad became very angry that he would say such a thing and challenged him to write new songs. And write new songs he did. That young man's name was Isaac Watts, who gave to the church some 360 songs of worship, like When I Survey the Wondrous Cross and Joy to the World. It was in the 1800s. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, used a trumpet and a tambourine to reach the lost on the streets. In his day... He was accused of employing devil music. You see, the point is, these guys realized the need for a new song. It's one of the things I love about Chuck Smith. Chuck Smith, Pastor Chuck, is 76 years old. And I've been in many, many, many worship services where he was attending and speaking. And even these songs today, he's 76 years old. And even these songs today, you know, you are mighty, you are holy, you know. Chuck's like, you are mighty, you are holy, you are awesome in your power. And I look at that and I think, now, this man is 76 years old, and if anybody who knows about hymns, it's Chuck Smith. He would know about hymns, and yet Chuck, even the whole Jesus movement was started on this very premise that every generation has this expression of worship that reaches that generation. And even Chuck, here he is 76 years old, and he's still worshiping the Lord and understanding it is important to have a new song. And notice, I want to bring your attention to what kind of song they were singing. Notice it was a song of the redeemed. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals for you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood. Now the word slain means violently slain, violently slain. Notice all of heaven is worshiping and singing about the cross and about the blood. Did you get that? All of heaven is singing about the cross and about the blood. And may we never as a church be guilty of taking those two elements out of our worship time. We never want to take the cross out of our worship time and out of our worship music. And most certainly, we don't ever want to stop singing about the blood. Amen? You know, some people say the blood, man, that's just yucky stuff. We don't want to sing about the blood. Yuck. The blood? Who wants to sing about blood? I do. 
I do because it is that blood that redeemed me. It is that blood that washed me. It is that blood at Calvary's cross that saved my soul. And it is the blood and the cross that they are still singing about in heaven. All the people in heaven. Did you notice this here? All the people you have redeemed us in verse 9. But to God by your blood out of every tribe and every tongue and every people and every nation has been redeemed by the blood. Every people, every tribe, every nation, every tongue. Someone once said that God loves a whole world. I love that. God loves a whole world. And God's desire is that a whole world hear the gospel message. Every people, every tribe. Did you notice this here? These are people from all around the world in heaven singing to the lamb. In other words, there is no black heaven. Did you know that? There's no heaven just for black people. Did you say amen if y'all knew that? Amen, all right, good. And you also know that there is no white heaven. Say amen, you knew that. Like all the white people are not in their own place in heaven. You knew that. And all the black people aren't in their own place. And all the Asian people, well, they're not in their own place. Heaven is made of all kinds of people, every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation. And that's what I love about this church. I mean, let's just face it. I mean, God has done a great work in this church. And people come here, and I get in the pulpit, and they go, Hmm. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We don't need to go there now, do we? Do I need to go there? So, so, who cares? Amen? Who cares? You know what? Listen, listen, it's not about me. It's about Jesus. And, and, and please, please understand, it's just about Jesus, not about anybody's particular race, color, or creed. God can use the foolish things he does to confound the wise, the weak things to confound the mighty, and I guess that explains why I'm here. <laughs> Ouch, God. Who cares? I love that about this church. I gotta tell y'all something. <laughs> I gotta tell you something. When we were over at the gas station, you remember the gas station church we called the gas station. All right, look on the internet if you don't know. Look on the internet. I tell my story. Okay, so we're at the gas station church, and, and one of the sisters who who attends the church, she um she owned a, a flower shop. So she somebody came in to buy some flowers one day. You know the story, Michelle. Somebody came in to buy some flowers one day, and, and, and they said, well, she plays worship music and everything. And what church do you go to? Oh, I go to Calvary Chapel, the one right down there on uh, High House and uh, Apex, on Apex Road, old Apex Road there. Oh, really? She said, the, the, the person said to her, said, oh, that's the church where the black pastor is. He's a black guy who's the pastor. And she says, no. He's not black, he's chocolate, she said. <laughs> I was like, this is great, this is 
he's not black, he's chocolate. And, and the guy stood there and went, I, 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 okay. Okie dokie. What do you say? Every tribe and every tongue and people and nation has made us kings and priests to our God. We shall reign on earth. Amen? Just people from all over. Please get over it. Now, just as a side note, is another reason why I believe that the 24 elders, we talked about this, represents the church in heaven. Because notice they're singing about redemption. Only those who have been redeemed can sing about redemption. Angels are not redeemed. There is no other group that has been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. So this would have to be the church. Only the church sings the song of redemption. And that redemption has made us kings and priests. And when Jesus returns to the earth, he will establish his righteous kingdom for a thousand years. And we will reign with him and the long-standing prayers of the saints. Thy kingdom come will be fulfilled. Amen. Someday. The elders are singing. And notice in verse 11 and 12, the angels. Notice, then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousands, by, of ten thousands and thousands of thousands. They were saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who is slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. Notice the elders begin to sing the song of redemption and this massive innumerable number of angels around the throne are worshiping the lamb. The angels are worshiping. You know, America, if you notice, is fixated on angels. Hollywood, they love angels. They do movies. Angels in the outfield. I thought there was a movie, Angels in the End Zone, but they told me that that's not a movie. First service. I think they're wrong. Touched by an angel? Hollywood's fixated on angels. 69% of Americans believe in angels. 62% believe that they have felt their presence. 39 books in the Bible mention angels. That's over half. The word angel is used 103 times in the Old Testament and 165 times in the New Testament. And the purpose of angels is to praise God in heaven and to carry out his will on the earth. Billy Graham calls angels God's secret agents. I like that. Daniel 4, 17. Daniel calls angels watchers. Watchers. What are they watching? Well, Peter tells us the angels are watching and intrigued by us. First Peter chapter one, verse 12 says of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. To them, it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. These things which angels desire to look into. In other words, salvation is so awesome that even angels are checking it out. 
The word look into or the phrase look into is the same Greek phrase when Peter and John stooped down and they looked into the tomb on Easter Sunday morning and they were pondering what this meant. And so the Bible says that the angels are stooping down and looking at you and me and wondering what this means. The angels are looking at this church and the salvation that God has made, not only at this church, but even at the church worldwide. And they're amazed because the angels aren't redeemed. And so the angels are looking at you and wondering, man, look at the grace of God in their lives. Look at the salvation that happens in their lives. Look at the mercy of God. Look at the forgiveness of God. You see, we think that angels are flying around in heaven doing nothing. No, the Bible teaches that angel school is now in session. The angels are looking into the things of your life and my life, and they are amazed at what they see as they see the forgiveness and the grace and the love of God. Notice the elders are singing and the angels are saying. You want to point that out? I know it was a real blow to me when I realized that angels don't sing in the Bible. You know, hark the herald angels sing. It messed up my Christmas. I thought all my Christmas songs must be evil now because I'm, I'm, angels don't sing. Angels are saying. The elders are singing. The angels are declaring with a loud voice. They're saying with a mighty, exceedingly great and boisterous, noisy voice. The idea is that they can't hold back about the greatness of the Lamb. And it's so awesome that they, they, they're just compelled to shout. And so the angels worship, and lastly, all of creation is compelled to worship the Lamb. We find that in verses 13 and 14. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, as such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor, glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And then the four living creatures, they said, Amen. And the 24 elders, they fell down, they worshiped him who lives forever and ever. Notice the worship service climaxed with the entire universe praising the Lamb of God. Now, the word worship in the Old Testament means to lay prostrate. It means to lay prostrate in humility. But the word worship in the New Testament means to turn to kiss. It speaks of intimacy. And so here the Lord is saying, I want you to love me so much that you just want to kiss toward me. You want to worship me. And every angel and every creature in heaven and in the earth and under the earth and in the sea, all of creation turns to kiss the lamb. And then I want to point out seven attributes real quickly that all of creation ascribes to the lamb. We find that in verses 12 and 13. Notice they ascribe power to the lamb. When Jesus was on earth, he deliberately laid aside his power and took on humility. He was born in weakness and he died in weakness. But the Bible teaches he is the recipient of all power. Riches in verse 12. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 tells us he became the poorest of poor. And yet he owns all the riches of heaven and earth. Wisdom. Men laughed at him and they called him a fool. Yet the Bible says he is the very wisdom of God and strength as speaks of his ability to work in all situations. And even today in heaven, he is the possessor of all strength. 
honor, glory, and blessing. On the earth, Jesus was humiliated, mocked, ridiculed, and reviled. With a crown of thorns, they plaited it and put it on his head. And they put a mock piece of cloth on him and mocked him as a robe and a stick in his hand. And they mocked him, gave him a stick as a scepter, and they mocked him. But all that's changed now. Amen. All of that's changed. He has received all honor and glory and blessing. This worship service crescendos and climax with all the universe praising God and the Father seated on the throne. And get this, I'll say this in closing. The four living creatures, you know what? They are so overwhelmed and they are so outdone. They have no words to speak. All they can say is, amen. Amen. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.